I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody, welcome into another episode of Future Brew here on Maze and Brew. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Joining me today, as always, is John Simmons. John, were you happy with the Super Bowl results? Yeah, I was, I think I was rooting for the Chiefs. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't have too strong of a rooting interest, but you know, two Michigan guys uh, on the Chiefs, I was, I think I was pulling for them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I was happy with the game. It was a good game. Glad uh, the Chiefs pulled it out. I'm big Mahomes guy. Glad uh, Andy Reid got his ring. And uh, Eric Fisher, fire up chips, man. Yeah, got go. my CMU ring. Yeah, so I'm I'm pumped about that. So uh, you know, it was a great game. I was happy with it. Um, you know, not too many complaints from that, but. We will uh, shift gears here and talk about uh, what this podcast is all about, Michigan football recruiting. So we'll just hop right into it. We've got uh, quite a bit to talk about here today. Let's just start real quick with the transfer portal. Debrie Hamilton was an offensive line uh, transfer portal uh, recruit that Michigan was eyeballing there. He was from Stanford. Well, uh, he committed to Duke, so he is off the table for the maize and blue, uh, John, what were your first thoughts when he committed to Duke? Were you surprised uh, that Michigan didn't give him a, a, a more closer look? Because it didn't really seem like Michigan was too interested at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I feel like every time someone who enters the transfer portal that Michigan recruited in the past, you know, obviously he was a commit at one point before flipping to Stanford. You know, there's going to be questions that arise, but... I feel like Michigan kind of just kicked the tires on him 
Um, you know, either side wasn't too interested and he never came up for a visit or anything. So I wouldn't say it's that surprising that he, he went to Duke, especially, you know, big academic guy going to Stanford, uh, finishing out, getting that grad degree from Duke. Can't blame him there. No, definitely can't blame him whatsoever. Um, he was one of the many uh, players for Stanford that entered the transfer portal uh, a couple months back after uh, after their season ended. But uh, so yeah, he's he is heading to Duke to play in the ACC. Uh, he was a redshirt junior this past season, so he'll have uh, immediate eligibility uh, to play for Duke. So uh, good for him. I, I thought that uh, honestly that Michigan would would be a little more interested, just given that, uh, like you said, that they recruited him in the past when he was a senior in high school, and just the fact that they kind of need, in my opinion, it wouldn't hurt to get another body in the offensive line room, just given that you're losing four starters from this past season. You're going to have to fill those roles somehow. Um, and it kind of seemed like they might kick the tires a little bit, and maybe they did. Uh, just not enough, honestly. But um, what do you what do you think of the offensive line room moving forward now that uh, Devery Hamilton's off the board? There might be a few other guys that they kick the tires with in the transfer portal, but he was probably the main one that that I was uh, thinking that they would go after at least. What, what do you think of the room now uh, that he's heading to Duke? I think it's I think it's pretty young, but it's talented. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna replace four four starters on the line. So anytime that happens, it's going to be tough to find guys that you've, that have uh, quality experience, but uh, given, you know, the favorites to win some of these spots, you know, Ryan Hayes, a left tackle was a four star, got in a couple uh, starts this past season um, uh, at left guard, you know, Chuck Filiaga seems to be a contender, Nolan Rumler, both high four star guys. Um, Filiaga got in sometime. Uh, as a backup the last couple of years, uh, Zach Carpenter, you know, Michigan straight up beat Clemson for, um, you know, he was only a three-star guy, but, you know, when Clemson comes knocking, any win against them is going to be a big deal. And he's clearly doing well um, with uh, having uh, Steven Spinellis leave, considering he was kind of the favorite to be the center. So Carpenter must be doing pretty well and probably passed him at some point. Um, you know, right guard's a little up in the air. I feel like Andrew Stuber could get in. He has a couple starts under his belt as well and was uh, pretty highly thought of. Or uh, another guy could surprise a younger younger guy like uh, Carson Barnhart or uh, uh, Nolan Rumbler. So we'll see. But I think, it, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be nice to have uh, room for these guys to grow um, as, you know, starters, as redshirt freshmen or sophomores and kind of see how that cohesion can develop over the next few years. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you on pretty much all of that. I, I think Ed Warner and Jim Harbaugh have quite a bit of confidence in their offensive linemen that they have already got, so that's probably why they didn't uh, kick the tires too much with Hamilton. Maybe they'll kick the tires a little more with some of these other guys in the portal. Uh, who knows? But, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty spot on what it's going to be. I, I think – I also think Ryan Hayes will be the left tackle. I think he's destined to take over for John Runyon. I would imagine Chuck Filiago would finally get his time to shine for being at Michigan for what is this his uh, fourth season coming up now? I think it's, it'll be his so yeah. yeah fourth season. So so he'll he'll get his chance. Yeah, it seems like Carpenter's probably the guy at center. 
And uh, as of right now, if it if it were uh, you know, just, I mean, this is just guessing. I, I think Stuber would probably be uh, the right guard with Jalen Mayfield uh, sticking at right tackle. So uh, lots of opportunity for growth for a lot of these guys. Quite honestly, I feel like the uh, competition is going to be really strong this spring this summer heading into fall camp and all that stuff. So I think the offensive line room is, is uh, still looking pretty good. They, they took a lot of guys in that uh, 2019 class and uh, they've got uh, some, some pretty talented guys coming in too. Uh, so I, I think it, it'll be fine in the long run. Maybe in the short term, it looks a little, little hazy just because of the inexperience that the offensive line has as of right now, kind of like what running back looks like heading into last season with Chris Evans suspension and Karan Higdon moving to the NFL. You didn't really know how Charbonnet was going to do coming off that knee injury. And you didn't really, I mean, no one expected Hassan Haskins to, to bust out like he did, especially with him uh, being in the linebackers group last. So it uh, should be interesting to see monitoring uh, in the spring game and all of that. So we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled for all of that. But let's move on now. Um, let's talk about 2021 here. Uh, defensive end that uh, recently visited. His name is Kevin Gilliam or Gilliam, however you want to pronounce it. I, I, I would assume it's Gilliam. But but he uh, visited this past weekend, went to Ann Arbor. It seems like his recruitment's kind of kind of up in the air at this point. Um He's a pretty big-time defensive end target, in my opinion. I think if Michigan really wants in on him, I think they could get him, quite honestly. Uh, he's, he's a four-star guy, number 181 overall. He's from Virginia, so that's prime-time Don Brown territory, and we all know how Don Brown does with his defensive ends on the East Coast. He usually gets them more often than not. So, uh, John, uh, what do you think of Michigan's chances here so far? It sounded like he had a pretty good first visit to Ann Arbor. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. I think what you said about his recruitment being wide open is going to give Michigan the best shot here. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of uh, Atlantic Coast kind of offers here uh, from schools like Virginia uh, Tech, West Virginia, um, NC State, schools like that that are near him. He hasn't really have those big national offers. He's got a Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. Um, so I feel like that's this is a recruitment that uh, – that Michigan can definitely win kind of maybe like a, an Antoine Powell this last cycle who seemed all ready to commit um, to Michigan. He's from Virginia. Then they kind of back off and he ends up at Florida. So I think they could uh, have another chance here to get in with a guy who's kind of comfortably, comfortably in the, that four-star range, top 200 guy and who's listed as a, as a wide weak side defensive end, but he's a six three two fifty, which seems kind of big. To me, for a you know, junior as a weak side guy, usually those are the kind of leaner um, ones who can get to the quarterback uh, as, as more pure rushers. So yeah. I'm wondering to see uh, how big he can get and uh, if he may even bulk up to a defensive tackle down the road because, um, you know, he's already weighing uh, more as some of the guys that Michigan's planning to slot a defensive tackle like a Chris Jenkins or a Aaron Lewis already as a, as a junior. So we'll see how much he develops. Uh, you know, over a senior season. Yeah, you make a really good point. I can definitely see him sliding inside too, just given his uh, his measurables already. You said six three two fifty. Uh, you would imagine that he'd probably be able to put up some strength uh, his senior season, and then coming into Michigan if he enrolls early, uh, gets in on uh, Ben Herbert's program with the strength and conditioning. 
and all that, I feel like he probably could bulk up and be probably around 280, 290 if he really put in the work and wanted to uh, by his freshman season in college. So I could definitely see that. It sounded like, too, that uh, Chris Partridge was his go-to recruiter early on, and uh, it sounded like Partridge was was the one that primarily uh, uh, got in with him early. But now it sounds like Sean New is going to be the guy being the defensive line coach. Of course, he's going to pick up uh, the recruitment here. Sean New has been doing some some pretty good work um, trying to get guys to, uh, to to buy into Michigan, especially in this 2021 class. He's kind of been all over the place, been the West Coast. Now he's going to the East Coast. He's been down South, too. Uh, he, he's put in some work. So um, I feel like if you want a pretty good shot at uh, – at this uh, recruit here uh, to to fill the void of Chris Partridge with Sean Newell with the position coach. Uh, he, he's done a pretty decent job recruiting so far. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he does with uh, 2021 in general. But uh, just from the sounds of it, it sounded like uh, Newell's done a pretty good work with Gilliam specifically. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Newell realizes how important uh, his his recruiting job is this this season with Michigan given Partridge and Campanile leaving and also how uh, important defensive tackles and ends are for the 2021 class. So he's really been pounding the pavement. Uh, there's there's another guy from the, that coastal region that just put Michigan in, in his top 12, uh, Javari Ritzy. He, uh, I believe he visited uh, over the the season. I can't remember. It might have been James Gillespie, actually. Um, but he's a you know almost uh, in the top 150 uh, from North Carolina has a North Carolina State crystal ball, but Michigan makes that that top twelve slot, um, and you haven't really heard much about it. So I think uh, New has been putting in work behind the scenes there, and with a lot of other guys uh, along the defensive line to to kind of put Michigan set Michigan up for a good and uh, much needed defensive line class for twenty twenty one. Yeah, they're in it for uh, for a few pretty good defensive linemen. Uh, I mean, just with Gilliam, and then obviously I think your top defensive tackle uh, guy is probably Tywone Malone, and then Victory Vaca. Those would probably be the top two guys. Uh, Quentin uh, Somerville from Arizona is another defensive end that you would imagine that, that Michigan stays in uh, contention for for quite a while. And then Aaron Armitage, we'll see how uh, his recruitment shakes up with uh, both Jersey guys. Uh, going elsewhere, and uh, maybe they can get in it with Elijah Judy from uh, Pennsylvania as well. So uh, there are a lot of uh, really highly talented players in this 2021 class that, that Michigan can uh, can get in on. Uh, they're going to need some of the, especially the defensive tackles. I think that's, that's probably the most important. But just given what y- you see now and what you've heard now so far, John, who do you think uh, – in 2021 at this uh, defensive line spot, who do you think Michigan's sitting pretty with the most as of right now? Yeah, defensive end's kind of curious to me. There's a lot of guys that aren't talked about much, but Michigan is in these kind of preliminary top eight, top ten list. Uh, guys like Daquan Brown, uh, Elijah Judy, like you said, uh, Demion Robinson. Um, these guys mostly from the Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina range that they're kind of in for. Yeah. Um, but there, there just hasn't been too many, too much news about them taking visits or anything. I think one of the recent developments with Rayshon Benny uh, from Oak Park that they're recruiting at Michigan um, that was just up last weekend. He's was he's listed as an offensive tackle, but they just switched him. Um, Michigan's 
recruiting him as a defensive lineman. I think they're the first uh, school to start doing that. And so I think that automatically jumps them up to uh, to a top slot there. He's uh, probably going to be a defensive and strong side guy. Um, at tackle, I think Victory Vaca is a good bet. He's gonna, Michigan's going to be his, I think, last uh, official visit, which is always good to have. Um, I think George, yeah. George Rooks is a kind of a name that um, had more attention maybe a year ago when he was a sophomore and he got an offer and was making more visits, but then kind of, things kind of died down. Um, but I think uh, Nua went to visit him. He's a New Jersey kid, so that's going to be a priority to kind of maintain that relationship. But I think he'll definitely be a candidate to make a, a visit at some point, and uh, Michigan will be up there with the likes of you know the Notre Dame, Penn State, that type of battle for sure. But those are just some guys, some names to throw around. Yeah, lots of names, lots of really high-ranked guys too. I mean, I think everyone that we pretty much mentioned is a a, a four-star, and and we'll see with the reevaluation of Benny as well if if he moves up or or maybe moves down. Who knows? I haven't honestly seen any tape of him playing defensive line but uh no they're definitely in contention for a ton of guys um they, they just got to capitalize and, and take advantage of all that and you know hopefully, hopefully sean new is able to step up the recruiting game and fill in for partridge uh for these guys that uh that partridge was going for before he left but well, real quick before we go to break let's talk about someone that that uh you wanted to bring up real quick uh also in the transfer portal he's now off the board KJ Costello, quarterback. John, what was your reaction when he made his commitment? Um, it, it kind of a surprising one, uh, in my opinion. I, I didn't think that he would be SEC bound, um, but just an interesting uh, s- a slew of events here um, for him to go to Mississippi State of all places, um, <laughs> going from Stanford to. Mississippi State, uh, just an intriguing uh, development there in the transfer portal. Really goes to show that these guys can uh, pretty much just, I mean, go right from the academic side of things to just playing football. Yeah, it's kind of harder, hard to imagine a bigger jump in terms of academics. Uh, but you could, I mean, it's easy to see why he chose Mississippi State with Mike Leach there. You know, he's been a quarterback uh, savant for a while, been able to get the absolute best out of his guys and I don't think he's ever had really a guy that's had the pedigree of Costello who was a I think a top 100 guy coming out of high school but yeah he's kind of in the same category as Devery Hamilton a guy that Michigan recruited uh, a lot out of high school I think uh, he Michigan was in his top group of schools and uh, but I think Harbaugh wanted uh, Brandon Peters over him so they didn't end up getting him um, but he was another guy that I think he was looking more towards a place where it was guaranteed that he could start. And with Dylan McCaffrey and uh, Joe Milton here, he would be entering a three-team battle. So why not go to a place where he's clearly much better than the competition and is in a system that, you know, highlights the quarterback better than pretty much uh, anyone outside of Lincoln Riley. So, uh, you know, I can't knock him. I don't think he would have been a huge game changer for Michigan anyway. He would have been another depth guy and may have even caused one of the guys yeah. already on campus to transfer. So I don't think it's a, that big of a deal, but it's just another guy that uh, seemingly Michigan would have had interest in that's uh, off the board. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I think the more interesting part there was that, uh, you know, there's there's some some people thinking that maybe 
Uh, given the situation over at Washington, maybe he'll go to Washington, stay on the West Coast, stay over there, but that just didn't happen. And, of course, Michigan plays Washington to start the season next year. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the air raid offense in Mississippi State works with a uh, brand-new transfer quarterback, K.J. Costello. I, I, I find that really intriguing. It, it is going to be an interesting first year for Mike Leach and all those guys down in Mississippi State. So, um, real interesting stuff, John. Uh, let's come back. Well, let's, let's take a quick break, and then uh, we will come back, and we will talk about uh, the upcoming probably boring February signing day uh, for Michigan. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back to wrap up our podcast today. We will discuss the 2020 February signing day for Michigan, which is probably going to be, in my opinion, unless something crazy happens, which I don't anticipate. Maybe you do. I, I feel like this is probably going to be the most boring signing day of all time. I, I don't think there's going to be really a ton for us to uh, to talk about or discuss here next week, I should say. But, uh, I mean, pretty much everybody's already signed. you got a few early enrollees already. Um, and the only guys that haven't signed already probably won't even be signing with Michigan in general. Um, Micah Mascua obviously decommitted already and committed to Baylor, so he'll go there. J.D. Johnson, obviously, he's still listed as a hard commit. Um, he's not going to be playing football, so you can't really count him. And uh, tight end Nick Patterson, I, I, I don't think he's going to end up in Michigan either. So uh, all these guys that are still listed on the uh, commit list on 24-7 uh, probably won't end up playing for Michigan. You still got Gage Garcia down there. I, I think his I, – correct me if I'm wrong. I think his stance of he has a wrestling scholarship. Um, so I, I don't think he's necessarily has to sign a letter of intent to play football. For Michigan, I don't know exactly how that all works. I don't, I don't think that's uh, going to happen, though. I, I think everything's pretty much all locked in with him, too. But, um, but yeah, I, I anticipate this being one of the more boring signing days of all time, John. What do you think? Do you think there will be any surprises, any any surprise, shocking fireworks that, that come out of nowhere? Because I really don't. Nah, I don't think so either. I think, it, you know, the most interesting storyline is where, you know, the other guys in our class uh, – end up going that clearly aren't going to be uh end up michigan wolverines like you said with nick patterson um mescu is already gone jd johnson yeah will probably won't sign an L- nli um G- gage garcia 
I know he already signed a wrestling NLI um, back when they had their signing period. I don't know if he's going to sign a football one or not, or if he did. Um, I think that that whole situation is still up in the air. Uh, if he what if whether he counts towards the scholarship count for football or not. Um, but well, I think I'm just going to let mm-hmm. time figure that one out uh, without speculating. But yeah, the the early signing period is really taking the wind out of uh, the February date sale where this used to be the, the big day, but now it's just kind of a, just a normal day in recruiting without anything notable for Michigan. You know, obviously there's still some schools that are trying to lock up big-time guys, but Michigan's had their class locked up since the end of June, really. It's been a pretty boring six months here in terms of 2020, um, but I'm pretty sure Michigan likes it that way. They can focus on the future classes and not have to, you know, deal with recruiting these guys super hard over the during the season and things like that. So I think we can kind of expect this to happen uh, for at least Michigan in the next few years. You know, there may be a couple guys or two every year that are still going to the to the bell, but it's it's going to be mostly uh, a whimper instead of a bang. Yeah, especially after Pogrelk, uh, James Pogrelk, three-star offensive lineman, committed to uh, Stanford. Uh, that, that was pretty much Michigan's final um, uh, major recruitment that they were going for in, in the 2020 class. And now that he's off the table, it kind of seems like there's not really a ton left to do. Um, I know Michigan picked up a commitment earlier in the week from uh, Cade McNamara's brother, who was a wide receiver. His name's Kyle McNamara. He's uh, definitely a smaller wide receiver. He's listed at five, eight and a half, one seventy. He's a two-star guy. Interestingly enough, though, John, he did have an offer from Ohio State, um, which uh, kind of kind of mind-boggling. I I didn't expect a guy like him to get an Ohio State offer. Uh, who knows what they saw, but uh, Michigan went in and swooped him up and got him as well. So. I guess you'll get him to sign on a signing day uh, on Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to see what his role is like. And I'm also interested to see if he'll actually count uh, towards the scholarship. I, I don't know if he does or not. I don't know if he's a preferred walk-on or not. Do you know anything about that by chance? I don't think anything's been officially announced. I'd have to imagine he's a preferred walk-on, um, you know, just going on with uh, – his brother there at Michigan, uh, his family moved from Nevada to Tennessee uh, after Cade uh, enrolled at Michigan. So I think they wanted to be closer. So it's not surprising that uh, Kyle wanted to go with his older brother. Um, I feel like it's going to end yeah. up being a preferred walk-on. But yeah, that that Ohio State, the weirdest thing about the OSU offer to me is that they offered him in September after they already had their you know class of four top 100 guys locked up. So I don't know what they're going for there, if it was an actual offer that he could have committed to or not. But it was just, you know, weird timing. It was kind of, you know, hard to see what they're going for because they didn't end up pursuing any other receivers. So just a little weird. Very much so. In Ohio State, you already mentioned it. I mean, they've got one of the better receiver classes in recent memory, at least that, that I can remember, um, just in general, they've, they've got a killer receiver class coming in. Several top 100 guys, they're going to be really good. And then, they, like you say, they throw an offer to McNamara. It's just interesting to me that uh, 
that they went and did that. But like I said, John, I anticipate this being a very boring signing day. Not This isn't Michigan-related, Sean. I just want to talk about this real quick because this recruitment has been very odd with uh, this five-star running back, Zachary Evans. Uh, it sounded like he was going to be Georgia-bound and then kind of didn't happen, and now he might be Georgia-bound again. And it, it's just going all over the place right now. The crystal ball for this kid, I don't think there have been more crystal ball changes that I've seen personally in one recruitment than with Zachary Evans. It has been insane. Have you been following this recruitment at all? I mean, as as best as anyone can, I think, because like you said, it's been a wild ride. I know like the, the Reddit co- or college football subreddit has had a couple of threads trying to document it all. 24-7 had an article, you know, with the timeline. And, you know, it was Texas. Then he started trashing Texas, like, during in interviews. Then it was A&M. But then LSU, Alabama, Georgia all had – uh, crystal ball runs for him, like you said. Um, yeah, then he signs his NLI, gets out. Um, I think Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss wants to step in and get him, which I'm not surprised about. He, he seems willing to take anyone um, who wants to, who's talented and wants to go to school. I know Tennessee is making a push, and A&M still might be in it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's more of a headache than it's worth because this guy seems like he's not uh, gonna stick too long wherever he ends up picking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you kind of nailed it on the head uh, with the headache uh, comment. I, I feel like that's exactly what it is. It's just I, I keep looking at all these crystal ball changes and my eyes are just rolling in the back of my head. And it's like my mind is spinning looking at all of this happen. It's uh, it, it has been an unbelievable ride that hopefully ends on Wednesday. Who knows if he even goes somewhere or not. Maybe he goes the junior college route at this point. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. It, it has been uh, a quite the interesting recruitment for him. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it's been a headache for all of these coaches involved as well because he's a very talented young man. He, he is uh, one of the better running backs in this class. I think, in my opinion, I think uh, Bajan Robinson, who uh, signed with Texas in December, is probably the best. Zachary Evans is probably the second best. Um, he, he's really good. So wherever he ends up, I, I think he'll end up being a pretty good player, but just got to get past the, uh, the weirdness that is his recruitment first to get there. But, um, but yeah, John, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I really don't anticipate much happening for Michigan on Wednesday. Um, if anything at all, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked to see nothing really happen. Quite honestly, nothing rolls through the fax machines. Uh, maybe other than Kyle McNamara's uh, letter of intent. I, I don't know. At this point, I, I don't really know what to expect other than nothing because I don't think there's going to be any fireworks or there's not going to be a Daxton Hill uh, kind of thing that happens to where a, a big-time recruit flips his commitment goes to Michigan. Um, I don't foresee that happening, and I know that you don't either. So uh, – I don't know. How about you say we just kick it back on Wednesday and just have a couple beers and just watch nothing happen? How's that sound? Yeah, get ready for the the Michigan Ohio State basketball game. That's I guess yeah. the best thing you can do. That's pretty much it, man. That's that's probably what I got planned. Just gonna watch the watch the hoops game and you know maybe maybe see some some different uh, stuff happen with these other schools. Um, I know that there are a couple top one hundred guys that are committed but didn't sign. So we'll see if they end up signing with their 
cl- uh, school that they're committed to. Jordan Birch being the the main one, uh, five star D tackle, who uh, I believe committed to South Carolina, but did not end up signing in December. So it'll be interesting to see some stuff like that happen. But um, and nothing interesting is going to happen with Michigan, I don't think. But um, should should still be fun. I mean, to wrap up the 2020 class, fully move ahead to 2021 um a lot of potential for michigan to do good in the 2021 class so we will uh, certainly uh, rev our engines in that direction so to speak so john did you have anything else that you wanted to uh to share or or just comment on before we uh head out for the day uh i guess i'm looking to see if uh well the one thing i'll be looking for on wednesday is to see if michigan can hold on to this 10 number 10 spot in the, the national team rankings after the latest shufflings, it uh, bumped Michigan up a little bit. So they're at number 10, you know, losing Nick Patterson and probably JD Johnson from the ranking will might change it. It'll, it'll boost their average uh, rating per commit, but I don't know if it'd be enough to have a school like Texas jump them. And then uh, I'm looking forward to the 2021 re-ranks that are supposed to come out uh, this week sometime later as well. So we'll see where all the Michigan's targets lie there. So big things are coming in uh, yeah. recruiting. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the re-ranks of the 2021 class now that the winter evaluation period is is pretty much wrapped up. I'll be excited to see where JJ McCarthy and and all the in-state kids lie as well because there's I mean we've already talked about the in-state crop for 2021. It's a pretty good one. So we'll see if any of these Michigan recruits get bumped up or not, but. I'm looking forward to it. Not really looking forward to Wednesday because it's going to be very uneventful, but I digress. Uh, my name is Vaughn. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. John, where can they find you at? At Simmons underscore John. You can follow Mason Brew on Twitter at Mason Brew. Give a like to Mason Brew on Instagram and Facebook as well. And uh, be sure to rate and subscribe to all of our podcasts here on Maze and Brew Podcast. You can find us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can't find us, let us know. We'll try to get it on there if possible. For John Simmons, I am Vaughn Lozon. Thank you for joining us today. And go Blue!